This is a Strips Trust podcast. All news and all views expressed in the podcast are those of the contributors, not necessarily those of Morecambe Football Club. Yeah, 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 yeah. God, I believe me. Blessing in the land is Morecambe FC. Yeah, yeah, yeah. As long as me. Blessing in the land is Morecambe FC. Uh, well, hello. It's uh, time for another Shrimp Trust podcast. So, welcome along to ShrimpNet. Uh, joining myself and Joel this week, we have two esteemed guests uh, one from the boardroom and one from the uh, recruitment and coaching staff. You can guess who that one is, can't you? First of all, uh, our first guest, uh, and if you're watching on YouTube, you can see he's got a rather small badge behind him. Uh, it's the rather wonderful Charlie Appleyard. Welcome along, Charlie. Hi, please. Hi, Joel. Hi. Uh, and also, now we have, uh, as I've already said, recruitment uh, guru and coach, uh, recently acquired by the Shrimps, thanks to Mr. Stephen Robinson. And I will give you a quote uh, from an unnamed Motherwell source. He's a workaholic with an encyclopedic knowledge of the lower leagues of English football. Welcome along, Martin Foyle. Thanks for joining us, Martin. No problems at all. Yeah, nice to be, nice to be invited. Thank you. Um, so we'll start as we mean to go on, Joel uh, and Charlie and Martin. Um, that gorgeous summer's day at Buxton in the FA Cup second round. Talk me through it, Joel. I know. Well, I, <coughs> I, get, I get up in the morning and it's like what nine o'clock, half nine. And I'm seeing all the Morecambe fans getting on the train and having a bit of having a good merry time on the way to Buxton. I'm not able to go because of my knee, so I'm thinking, oh, I'm a bit jealous. And then watching the match. The rain's hammering down, seeing the players tweeting after the game that it's the coldest they've ever been. Yeah, <laughs> I didn't actually end up feeling very jealous. But no, you know, it, it was one of those, I think the weather was so, so bad. I think it was never going to be a game where we could really, or any team could really, put on a dominant kind of sparkling, oh, we're the League One boys kind of display because the, the weather was just so cataclysmically awful. But like at the end of the day, we created quite a lot of really good chances. Cole managed to miss an open goal, which to worst, he's been D1. He's been D1, uh, he's been D1 about this. It was some of the goals he scored this season. And then, uh, obviously, Iung is put through on goal and isn't able to put it away. I think there was a McCallum chance in the first half. So, really, we've had a load of really good chances. It wasn't a pretty performance, but ultimately, we won the game. We should have won by more. They didn't really have a sniff after the, they hit the post and had those nasty corners and didn't really get any big chances. So, while it wasn't pretty, the weather conditions were the main reason for that, and we got the job done. Um, so, Charlie, were you, were you there enjoying the uh, Derbyshire hospitality, or were you watching from home? I was watching from home, Freeze, because I, I didn't have sign up. I've got signed for six out of the next seven games, so uh, to, put, to make it seven out of eight would have been a bit difficult. But uh, all I can say is that I know it wasn't a bigger victory as people were expecting, but uh, David Seaman's uh, cheesy grin on. Uh, <laughs> on Monday evening, uh, said it all, and that, that's why we wanted to win the match, get in the draw. Which I'm going to talk about later, but uh, job done, well done. Yeah, and uh, Martin, presumably uh, yeah, as uh, as recruitment guru and coach, you were keeping an eye on the proceedings. Um, were you there, or you were sat at home in a nice warm, like me, sat at home in a nice warm lounge watching it? No, I was actually out uh, watching another game, but uh, oh. I did. Go, I did go to uh, boxing. 
probably 10, 10 days prior to that and watched the game, you know, without nobody knowing I was there. And, you know, obviously I was feeding back to the manager and the coaching staff, you know, how they set up and play. Uh, but also, it's not too far away from me. It's about 45 minutes. But let me tell you now, you're going up and up and up. And, and it feels like you're, it's, it's, it's on a hill. Uh, and I said, manager, just be careful. It's going to be absolutely freezing there. Gale force winds. The pitch is on a slope across as well as down. And it's a potential banana skin. But, but that's why the cameras were there, weren't they? You know what I mean? So they, they revel in all that. But uh, it was not an easy performance in such horrendous conditions. Probably, you know, when I've actually seen it back and speaking to some of the players, it's probably the worst they've ever played in. Yeah, I have to say, the, uh, it's a pity the cameraman didn't have a, um, a rag that he could wipe the camera with. Cause Correct. When you, when you, you see the replay of the goal we managed to score, and it's uh, sort of like Cole going through a fog. And you, you don't realise it's him. But um, I suppose at the end of the day, we can't really complain. Um, Buxton had their day in the sun. As Martin said, the cameras were there expecting, uh, hoping. Even, hoping. For a, yeah, hoping for a, a cock-up from the League One side. But it, 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 still, it still doesn't sit easily with me, Joel, being the big team. Because <laughs> I'm used to being on the opposite side of it, being Northern Premier League, Conference, etc. I know, it's quite a funny sensation. It's the second year in a row as well with uh, having Molden and Tiptree last year, which actually, in many ways, was quite a similar kind of game. I think, you know, we, we had a lot of chances and we only put one of them away. But, uh, you know, it, it's, it's a funny sensation, but, you know, what we've got to get used to and hopefully we will keep getting used to with uh, these quite nice FA Cup ties we've been getting recently. And I'll come to Charlie now, because obviously um, I, I was otherwise engaged on Monday. I was going to pick a member of the family up and didn't realise that the draw was actually going on. I thought it was about 20 past seven. And didn't realise. And I got a phone call off my son-in-law. Uh, and you can imagine what he was going He was screaming down the phone as I was driving. My wife took the call and I was like, oh my God. Um, what was your reaction, Charlie, to uh, Spurs away? <laughs> Check my, my, my Twitter account. I put a video of me and my son's cheering. Um, going crazy. I mean... Um, I was being, we were talking about before we came, started recording that last year we played Chelsea and uh, I was lucky enough to be there. Um, it How's was a very, stra- very strange experience. It was. Um, with uh, with um, no fans there. We actually did really well. Um, and uh, Lampard played the best team possible. Derek said that as soon as the team sheet came out, they knew they were up against it because you know, Lampard was on his way out when he played. I think it was worth two, £383 million to me, the team was worth. No, you know it's uh, it was a great day, but for but for the, but, but very strange. And now we're obviously a year later going to a brand new stadium with uh, high expectations of uh, uh, we're we're the, we're back in our usual position as the uh, as the underdog. Yeah, which is probably more, com- probably more comfortable as. Yeah, going to the amazing new ground and uh, seeing what happens. And just just for generally, this is for everybody, obviously um, the FA Cup in many people's eyes has been undervalued because obviously if you finish sort of like eight in the top 10 in the Premier League, you still get more a lot more money than you would if you won the FA Cup. But for teams like Morecambe, it can provide something of a lifeline and also uh, an extra injection of very welcome cash, particularly in our position, Charlie. Well, what it does, um, Freeze, and... Uh... Is which I'm sure people are aware, you know, it, the, the money we'll get from the cup will provide a buffer that maybe be able to provide some extra funds 
for, for transfers or, you know, maybe we can just, we can just do more stuff. And, you know, people, the Buxton win and the Spurs, the draw of Spurs just cements our, our progress to be the uh, sustainable club that we want to be. You know, we want to be the grass training pitch, we need the training ground, all these things we need to do. If, if we got to, if, if we were lucky enough, what is going to happen? If we got to third round the FA Cup every year and drew Spurs, Arsenal, Leeds, Liverpool, Away every year, <laughs> not gonna happen. Not to say it happen, but if it did happen, it makes it a lot, lot, lot better. You know, we, we spoke to a number of different clubs during our um, research for the three-year plan, and most of them had got to, you know, their FA Trophy final. They got to the fourth round of the FA Cup yeah. in three or four years in a row, and it, it really helped them kick on. And Martin, Martin can, you know, buy a couple of players for, you know, a low fee and sell them for ten million. That's the plan. I'm sure Martin's going to talk to you about later. Yeah, no pressure, Martin. No, not at all. <laughs> so he looking at look back at our. This is the fifth time as a club, and obviously the second time as a league club that we've got into the third round. And if you look at who we drew, we got to the first round in 1962-63, and we drew Weymouth. There was only two non-league clubs in the third round, and we got drawn at home to Weymouth. But we've been in the third round four times since, and we've had Ipswich, Ipswich. Chelsea and Tottenham. So we're not doing so bad, Charlie. It could happen that if we keep getting through, we could end up with Leeds, Liverpool, Arsenal. We could collect the whole set, hopefully. Fingers crossed. I don't know if you're watching the draw, Joel or, or uh, Martin, but Liverpool had already gone. Arsenal already gone. So the, the clubs, the, the Premier League teams, in Shrewsbury got one of them. So our, com- our competitors were getting the, the good draw and you're just thinking, oh, what's going to happen? And uh, but then it came out and it was amazing. David Seaman, by the way, was a brilliant, brilliant guy to have on the uh, on the on the board. He was he was so uh, excited, wasn't he, Joel? Yeah, I mean, yeah. what more can you want in an FA Cup draw than uh, David Seaman's chuckles? Yeah, yeah. He, he, was, he was absolutely loving it. He, he really, really, really wanted to to wager out. He's like, yeah, fantastic. <laughs> Get him on again. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So. Um... Looking at that, the fixtures have been chosen for the TV. So we're presuming we are going to be Saturday three o'clock as it, as it stands, Joel. No, no, that's not true. It's not true. I, 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 need to, I need to let you know. That's okay, a piece of piece of news to you. So that you might assume that, but there's actually sixteen other uh, televised games going to be going on on at different times away from three o'clock on Saturday. Right. So a good chance it will be three o'clock on Saturday, but we were. I mean, I was. I'm sure you are, but I was quite disappointed looking at the uh, looking at the some of the games. Yeah, Man United Villa on twenty times a season. You know, we didn't. Yeah, exactly. Know. Anyway, can't miss and grumble, but um, you know, the, the, we're going to find out in the next couple of days. I think it's tomorrow by tomorrow afternoon. We'll find out the other sixteen games that are going to be on. I you know, I play red button at different times for broadcast international broadcast. So I've seen people on social media this afternoon saying. But uh, it must be three o'clock on Saturday. But it might well be, but there's 16 games that won't be. Well, that, that's why you're here, Charlie, to give us that update. And I did, say, I did use the word presume, because I, 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 obviously we still don't know. But, um, I mean, uh, no matter what, uh, how, many, how many tickets? Uh, have, you, have you had a, uh, any word from Spurs yet? How many tickets? Well, if, ask me, uh, I have actually got an email from Spurs, but I can't tell you what it says. <laughs> but, um, uh, 
Let me just have a look at the email. Let me just look, speak to ask another talk, question. Talk, talk amongst yourselves. Joel, uh, Joel, Joel will, will your cruciate ligament allow you to go to Tottenham? Yeah, I, I'm very much hoping so. It's been giving me a, a good little goal for physio. So I'm going to be absolutely hammering that out. I mean, it's six weeks after the operation, so I should be fine. I should oh. be fine. I hope we are, yeah. Okay, <laughs> I'm back. Here we go. Go on. Can you read it? Have we been given, we've been given four options? Yeah. Of varying capacities, um, which, we can, which we need to choose from, which will take advice on, on what we're going to do. Um, the, the numbers are quite, quite good. Um, I can't say too much, obviously. Um, but And the, the prices are... Uh, quite reason, quite reasonable. Um, uh, <laughs> <laughs> watch it on, if you watch it on YouTube, this might well be already out there, so you'll yeah. better tell what he says. <laughs> okay, so that, that, that's very good, very good price. There's a family ticket as well for two two juniors. Um, they're playing in white. Uh, and uh, we'll, 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 we'll take advice, um, Mick Horton will make the decision, I'm sure. But there's a good level of tickets there. And uh, they're, they're already being very, very hospitable and giving us lots of help already. And uh, the, email, the, look at, the email's really, really long. It shows to me they really care about giving us a good experience. They've already congratulated us on getting this far. So it's exciting. I'm very excited. I wonder if you'll be nice when we've knocked him out. <laughs> yeah, I'll okay, yeah. Yeah, no, I'm not on drugs, but I, you know, I'm full of uh, FA Cup fervour, and why not? Derek, Derek did say to me last season that, that I think with Plymouth, he, 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 they drew with Liverpool, didn't they? They drew nil nil. I don't know if they, drew, if they played at home or away first, but yeah. they got they got a replay, and it made the club a lot a lot of money. So you know, right. even if we even if we get if, if, we, if we could miraculously get to a draw. Um, and then on Twitter again, I put the battle of the UK's best striker, Paul Stockton and Harry Kane. You can maybe, uh, maybe uh, get some more money from Martin Foyle, which I'm sure the rest of the time I want to speak to him, not me. So we'll move on now. Um, and we've, we've had happy times talking about Buxton and the FA Cup draw. I can't gloss over the Sunderland. Uh, you know, I, I, I obviously we quarter past four, set off, expecting a storm over the A66, nothing. Got to Sunderland, got a bit windier, but no real rain or anything like that. And I thought, oh, you know, my my prediction, I'll, <laughs> I'll bore you with this one. In the car on A66, I think we'll lose 5-0. <laughs> and I, I am never right, and that's why I said it. And then on the way home, we were on the A66 again, and one one of the lads in the car mentioned, "Oh, hang on, the test match starts at twelve o'clock." And I and I said, "Well, by the time you've dropped me off and you've got home, we'll be twelve for three. And they got in and texted me, "We're eleven for three, so I'm going to have to buy a lottery ticket this week." But, <laughs> Comes in but, three, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, <laughs> thank you, Martin. My wife looked at me like you're mental, but there you go. So yeah, I, I am the worst tipster in the world. I said five nil and twelve for three, and I got I was one run out. I'm like, oh come on. So um, looking at that, Joel, I, I think you know <laughs> Stephen was very famously said, "We nobody's hammered us yet." Well, they have now because that was that was pretty poor on the night. They were good. I have no no you know hesitation. They moved it really well. The movement off the ball was not something we've had to deal with as good as that 
and some of their first touches were were, were lovely. But once they got two 0 up, uh, we were chasing shadows. Yeah, uh, there's not try, trying to pick it apart. I think uh, the, the crux of it is they play really quite well and they're full of very good footballers, and we just played really quite badly. And <laughs> you know, and when that happens, uh, you know, you, you get you sometimes get a bit of a pasting, but you know that, that, that's how it goes. Unfortunately, I think like, like Stephen said, I don't think even though there's been results like the MK Dons one, I think on the balance of the game, uh, we weren't kind of cut through. But on the balance of this game, although we had those good couple of chances uh, with a younger and Wildegan, you know, they'd go in, you know, momentum and whatever. But at the end of the day, you know, there's no point in reminiscing on that. They didn't, we didn't play very well. They played very well and they kind of cut through us. And it's, it's one of those. Uh, Stevens said, admitted it was a bad performance. The players have come out, and O'Connor was saying on his interview after the game. Greg Lee's referenced it this afternoon uh, when previewing uh, the Portsmouth game. You know, they all know it was a bad, it was, it was a bad performance. So, you know, the, that's the first place to start, isn't it? In knowledge, it was a bad performance. You know, hopefully they'll be able to pick themselves up from it and can, you know, move on and go again on Saturday. And we go again. It's, we go again Saturday, and uh, to go from the stadium of like to Fratton Park, it just shows you how we've come in a short space of time, doesn't it, Charlie? It does. I just, uh, you know, I'm sure Stephen and the guys will be uh, for reaction. I'm sure Martin can fill us in what's been going on with the training ground and his mode in the camp. Martin has been a bit. Yeah. Um, no, they. They've had their team meetings uh, and obviously uh, unit meetings, and uh, obviously I'm privy to it, which is uh, which is nice. Um, but you know the the players underperformed, and sometimes you 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 have to accept that as much as you don't want to. Um, but you know I've watched the coaching, everything they were prepared for the game, um, but unfortunately you know we are making one or two individual mistakes, and it's costing us. So we've got to cut them out, and if we cut them out. Then, uh, then obviously we're looking sort of like later December for the games against uh, Fleetwood, Bolton, uh, and also Crew, Doncaster. You know, so it's an exciting month for Morecambe. You know, to 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 slide our way up that table. And uh, I'll allude to that. I sincerely hope that happens because obviously we, uh, we, you know, it's it's the I always think it's the test of of the management and people like yourself how well you can prepare the players to pick them up after that. It's quite it was quite dispiriting. They looked fed up. There was only four or five that came to clap the away end and everybody else just trudged off like, oh, crikey. And I, and I, I, don't, think, I, don't, th- I don't think players do that deliberately. You know, I oh, think no, no, no. I was having a go I, No, I just think sometimes players get embarrassed with their own performance, you yeah. know, and they, and they just, the last thing they want to do is go over. And then sometimes when you say you've lost 5 0 we've all had big defeats as players and you go to the fans, you get more stick than, you you, know, you want to appreciate and say thanks for, for coming, which is obviously a big part of it. Yeah. Um, but you do get some stick back and sometimes players would rather keep out the way and keep their heads down and, and hopefully turn up again uh, come Saturday. Yeah, I mean, yeah. You, look at, you look at the Ipswich game the other night, I think one of the, the, one of the players went over to the fans and to give them a Correct. clap and then yeah. starts getting hold of, hold of the piece and ends up getting yeah. a bit of a barney with one of them. So you, can, you, you see why some players just, you know, uh, you know, it, I, I mean, <laughs> I've never been a footballer, but you get, you know, you get in the headspace after that 5-0 defeat and, you know, I can see why some of them just want to think, I want to go in, I want to be inside, I want to just get away from it because, you know, it must be very dispiriting. But also, like, like you said earlier, it, it's, it's amazing where Morecambe have come from in a short space of time, you know, going to, to places like Sunderland, Portsmouth, Wigan, you know, it, it, it's endless and it's relentless. Now, I think, 
as a as a, a managerial team, yeah, we know we're going to lose so many games. But uh, do you get downhearted, or do you wait for the the games? We we know who the bottom ten are going to be. Uh, probably at the start of the season, I think we could have guessed who who they were. Um, so, not saying there are cup finals, but they're the ones that you can't afford to lose, and they're the ones you've got to try and gain points off of. And as you can see, there's seven or eight at the bottom there. I still think if we win one in the next two games or even two in the next three games, you drag another three or four into it. So no, nobody's nobody's cast themselves away, you know, and people always look at the bottom four and you're thinking, oh, you know, it's, it's, it's negative. But as you saw from last year in Division One, you know, and obviously I've, I've been at Northampton and heard the stories that all the teams, how many wins you pick up late when the, when, when the pressure's off and all of a sudden you can start to climb. Yeah, and I, I, I'm a sort of fairly positive person. I always think if we happen to... We happen to, you know, we, 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 we tend to create chances in just about every game we've played in. And that was such a stadium of light. And it only takes one of those to go in at Fratton Park on Saturday in the first 20 minutes. And having seen Fratton, been to Fratton Park a couple of times and scored an early goal with Morecambe, we, we've come away with decent results on those two occasions because we've scored an early goal and then defended. And the Fratton faithful will turn on them. And all it takes... That sort of builds your confidence again, doesn't it, Martin? If you're a goal up and you're thinking, right, we can do this now, you know. Correct, correct. But but the old, it's still an old cliche that still never go away, that if you can keep the big clubs quiet for the first 20 minutes. Um, actually, Sunderland, the, the game prior, were actually booed off at half-time. Yeah. So you knew they were just waiting to hunt them down and to have a good moan at them. And, and the same's at Portsmouth. You know, things aren't right. Um, but like you say, that first goal, nobody expects Morecambe to get anything there. But, you know, the way we've set up in training today um, and, you know, and the attitude of the players, you know, they, they, they were listening to everything, you know what I mean? But I think one or two people have questioned us in terms of um, leaders and vocal and pulling people around when, when, when the going gets tough, you know, and, and you could actually feel that in abundance today on the training pitch that everybody was talking, pulling around and, and having a little moan at each other, which is healthy in the right way. And uh, things look really, really good today. Well, that's a positive note on which to end with the, the Portsmouth predictions. And uh, we can put Sunderland to bed, thankfully, now. And I'll, I'll come to you, Martin, now. Uh, thanks yeah, for yeah. coming on. Um, no problems. It, uh, you've had, you've had a, a long... I put my glasses on here because I've got to look at your <laughs> stats. Because I, I obviously did some, did some research. Obviously, Southampton is a youngster. Uh, Aldershot, then Oxford. And then Port Vale played, paid a record fee for you. And... I read, and the Port Vale people just think you're 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 one of their gods. You're in their all-time eleven. How does that feel? Uh, it, it, it's special in, in, in a funny, strange way. You know, I mean, I started off at Southampton. I, I was there. I was actually a bricklayer for a year and a half. Um, caught the last year of an apprenticeship, and uh, probably had about four years down there. You know, I made about fifteen first-team starts. And, and honestly, obviously, you know your players, but, you know, to, to actually play with the likes of Kevin Keegan, Peter Shilton, Alan Ball, they, yeah. they were all down there. You know what I mean? Fantastic pros. You know, they're a bit of your idols. Probably felt a little bit uncomfortable, you know, when you, you actually change your next to them and you're training with them. Um, but you learn so much. And the likes of just, you know, you look at Kevin Keegan, absolutely fantastic ambassador for football, you know, in terms of his fitness regimes and the way he prepared and looked after himself. So, I think a lot of that actually rubs off on players and, and that's why you see the top boys now. They're machines, aren't they, in, in every walk of life, you know, and, uh, and they are 100% role models for, for the up-and-coming. And, and really, Keegan was one of, the, one of the very first, wasn't he, really? He made the most of what he had. That's not being well, unkind, you know. 
but he was, he, I actually cleaned his boots as well, you know, so he actually realised, you know, what he did, you know, because sometimes we'd be in and doing jobs as we were still sort of like first year pros, which we had to do in them days, which wasn't a problem. Um, but yeah, you, you go in and, and like I said, to go and clean the sauna out and he'd be in there pumping press ups and stomachs, you know, sort of like late afternoon all on his own. Uh, and, and he always, he actually did say that. He said, look, I'm limited, but I've got everything else to give and that. And you went, well, you know, the, the respect of the person was absolutely phenomenal. So I'll come back to it. Um, you, you glossed over the, uh, the the all-time Port Vale eleven that I mentioned there. That's, <laughs> that's got to be a lovely feeling, hasn't it? That, that and, and obviously you you ended up coaching there, and then you ended up becoming first team manager. So you've spent a lot of time at Port Vale, and uh, they 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 do appreciate you, which must be lovely. No, it, it it's it's a nice area. You know, what I mean, we we've always enjoyed it. The the kids are settled. Um, but but it, it's a it's a good football club and, and more, probably more so now. There's more money there now. You know the direction of the club's going. So which which is nice to see from the outside. Um, but yeah, I, I, I was there. I was settled. Um, but sometimes you know when you have children and that you know and the kids are at school. Sometimes you're thinking, no, uh, I'm better off being here than you know elsewhere. You know, obviously uprooting all the family. I did have bigger offers to go elsewhere, but you know. Um, family man and I enjoyed the area and I thought no I'd rather be happy than than being somewhere that uh, you might not start you might get involved in and, and everything that goes along with being a professional footballer well that's uh, that's that's a nice you know a lot, we have so many people now and it's not again not a criticism but uh, Morecambe have had uh, loads of players who've just come in done a season done pretty well and earned themselves a contract somewhere else because and they they always played it's a short career which I suppose it is but um Moving on, when 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 you got the Port Vale job, did you find it? Did you find that was really really useful? You being in a situation where you knew the club inside out because you'd been there like part of the furniture. Yeah, it was. Well, I was actually um, youth coach for about eighteen months, yeah. so I always think a youth team coach is a mini manager's role. You know, so you're actually preparing your own team, how you want to set them up. So you're actually getting into the coaching side, but. Uh, I was taking them, and Brian Orton was obviously manager with uh, Mark, who assistant, and. Uh, I'd be on one pitch, he'd be on the other pitch. And he used to keep whistling me over. He said, oh, come and show the strikers what to do. Tell them where to run. Tell them what to do, you know. So I had a, I had a good affinity with the players because I was really in retirement, come out to play a few games. And, uh, you know, we, we kept the side in the championship the last 10 games of the season I got involved, you know what I mean? So it's some funny stories with it. Um, but no, I thoroughly enjoyed, you know, being there. But because I was close to the players, it was actually quite a, an easy turnaround, you know, was I managerial material? Um, obviously, people thought that was in me, um, but I had respect for the players, you know, and I think the players have respect for me, and, and that's probably why it worked so well. And then moving on, obviously, you must have been managerial material. You had, you had some excellent times, particularly at York City, didn't you? Yeah, no, again, it was, it was a beautiful place to live. I actually probably, I was out the suitcase probably six days a week, you know, and the missus and the kids were at home, but sometimes you've got to do that in football and it was never a problem for me. Um, but, you know, they were rock bottom of the conference and, and again, it was a, a rebuild job going in there. Uh, we managed to get to the trophy final at the end of the first year. I went there, I think it was December, you know, and it was a case of can we stay out? We stayed up, you know, which, which was, we, we thought we would. We had enough in the building to, to actually get round it got to the trophy final uh, and then I cleared probably 70% out to bring people in, you know, and I brought some really, really good lads in, you know, um, didn't really spend a lot of money. There were some local ones and boys from Leeds. Uh, and for some reason, and sometimes it happens in football, you know, you can't say it was men, but 
the characters they got on well together we managed to get a house together and five players who lived in the house and 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 it just went on and on and on and we did really well we had good cup runs uh and got to the playoff final uh but unfortunately we we, we lost out to oxford who were probably at that time probably a long way ahead of us probably three years in terms of everything that was going on so uh, they had forty thousand there we had eight thousand so you can imagine half of Wembley absolutely chocker and, you know, and yeller and my old team as well, you know. So, uh, you know, it was it, it was disappointing to lose that way. And, and sometimes it's very, very hard to bounce back after a, a playoff defeat. So moving on, it, it, you've, you've come to Morecambe as, as head of recruitment. And I know um, that's possibly from the Stephen connection because you did a great job with them at Motherwell. And obviously... You're responsible, well, partly responsible at least for the recruitment for North, Northampton, and they were doing well in the, the division below us. So, how, how, what made you get into that? Was it just a case of, well, uh, uh, as I've, I've said on your intro, that you've got an encyclopedic knowledge of of the lower leagues, or, or I, what, it know? actually it actually stems from being a manager. You know, um, did I have anything on the recruitment side when I managed? Uh, no. Um, so, like I said, it was Division One football, and it was very surprising that it was very, very limited. You know, I had someone that was helping out, um, but if I didn't get off my backside and go to games and, and get out and watch live football, you know, you wouldn't know who the players were. You know, so uh, I was probably thrown in at the deep end. Um, but you know, we we just missed out on the playoffs the last game of the season. You know, my first year. Then I thought, you know, I'm going to lose a few players, and. Uh, Again, everybody at that level, when you haven't got a lot of money, the turnaround of players is, is absolutely phenomenal. You know what I mean? But you've got to, you've got to get used to it. You've got to accept it. Um, sometimes it's hard for a manager, you know, because you do get disillusioned. You've got a good team. And then next year you lose three quarters and then, oh, here we go again. You know what I mean? So it does take up a lot of time recruitment. A, for the manager, especially if the managers are heavily involved in the transfers throughout the summer, which I know uh, Stephen certainly will be. Yeah, that's a, it's, a, it's a strange one. But... I mean, from, from your point of view, it, does this, because obviously now you're getting involved with the coaching side at, with the shrimps, does that, does that still fulfil you? Uh, no, no, 100%. It, uh, my, my main focus, and trust me, it is the January window. Nothing to do with coaching or anything like that at the moment, you know, because January's huge for us, you know what I mean? So obviously I've been out to as many games as I can, going to the right games, because... I know some scouts can go to games just for the sake of going to it. No, I, I've got to have a purpose, you know, whether it's 200 miles away or whether it's 20 miles down the road, you know, there's always something behind it or this player's available, he's falling out with the manager. And yeah, that's the info, which is so and so important that uh, that you can find out and then you've got to take advantage of it. So uh, li living fairly central, that's quite useful then really, isn't it? <laughs> No, absolutely. And people think, you know, Stoke-on-Trent, I'm about two miles away from Junction 15, although the M6 can be a bit of a nightmare at the most of the times. Um, but no, it, it's fine. It's, it's a good commuting link. And then I go A50, I can get straight onto the M1. Um, so, so you're up and down the country or, you know, I, I like to, to handpick my games, you know, plan it a week ahead, what, what I feel is best for, for, for the club and, and, and what we can find. So... Uh... Presumably, presumably the, the, you, you've got you've got quite a nice, comfy car. <laughs> <laughs> I, I need to with my back and knees. My gosh, <laughs> I'm not getting any younger. <laughs> right now, I, I, I've uh, I've had the little chat. I'll put you on to uh, the witch finder general in Joel now, who's got some questions for you. <laughs> no problems. <laughs> Thank you very much, Freeze. So yeah, well, obviously you'll you'll have your discussions with, with Stephen about what what positions need filling, what kind of player you need. 
when when you've had that discussion and reached that point, what what's your kind of starting point for finding the player? Do you go to contacts or, or look at data? And then once you've kind of got that starting point, where do you go from there? But we we have two windows. You have the January window, uh, then obviously the summer window. The summer the window you find is it's not more relaxed. It's easier. It's not so uh, you, you get pressurized into to making quick decisions. But the January window, let me tell you now, is a very very hard window. Everybody's shopping at the same time. It's uh, you know everybody are trying to do everybody to get players in. You all find that they're after the same positions, whether they're center house or strikers, and uh, you find that what's a play, what player comes available come January, it's usually a player that's he's had his injury problems, he's probably fallen out with the club, um, he hasn't played many games, uh, you know, he, he doesn't want to be at the club, he could be a bad egg, you know what I mean? There's so much information that you've got to find out, and, that, and that's nothing to do with data or anything like that, that is just personal characteristics, which obviously we've got to make sure that we bring the right ones, you know, to Morecambe. It's absolutely huge, you know. So that's that's my template. And then obviously now I've sat down with the manager and sat down with Dermot and John Mack and we've gone, right, okay, what do we need? You know, so whether it's a, a goalkeeper or a left winger or, you know, a striker, I've got to work off what they want. Then obviously obviously with Charlie and the board, what finances are available. Uh, and then it's a case of, right, OK, let's have, make a few phone calls. Let, let's see what's available. Because obviously we know we've got a certain selection of clubs that are around us. You know, you've got the Prestons, Blackpools, you know, Fleetwoods. You know, I know Fleetwoods aren't going to do any favours because they're in the same league. We've got the Manchesters. We've got the Everton and Liverpools, you know, with the younger ones, which obviously at the moment we'll probably stay clear of this window. Um, so we need a little bit of experience. Then obviously wages, you know, contracts. Because some of the boys might actually, their contracts might be up at the end of the season. And people think, oh, you just take them on loan. But they go, well, I'll come on loan, but I want next season as well. You know, so there's a lot of negotiation and haggling to do with the agents, you know, to say, well, if he comes in and he plays 20 games, then there's an option of a contract on the table. But we just can't, we, we can't afford to make too many mistakes. You make mistakes with recruitment, trust me. You know, and uh, recruitment now has started to become a little bit more favourable with clubs because I thought, some clubs weren't interested in recruitment, not interested at all. But now it's starting to become a big topic now and it's starting to come back to, to what it should be. Because um, when I was with Stephen up at Motherwell, you know, he would actually sacrifice a player for a head of recruitment because it takes so much pressure off the manager, the phone calls, you know, and, and all the agents and all the rubbish and the talk that comes through. You know, it, it can take days. So with, with the, the phone calls and all that kind of stuff, because it, it sounds like you've kind of you've got to have your finger on a lot of pulses and kind of really know what's going on. So for that, I imagine you've got to have, have, have something of a, a big contact network. So when you're working your way through the game, how do you kind of go about establishing that kind of reliable and presumably quite expansive contact network? Well, that probably comes back to uh, when, you, when you first start management. Um, you know, I think if you always treat people with respect, you know, they'll, they'll always pick the phone call. Uh, but if you're the other way, I guarantee you, uh, football is such a funny industry that uh, people won't won't oblige and answer your phone calls. So no, I, I like to think I've had a lot of respect for people and vice versa. Uh, the network builds obviously through your playing days and coaching days, uh, and then you, you you come into the recruitment side. The recruitment side is so different. People, you know, you you turn up for your first game, you think, oh, where do I sit? Who do I sit with? You see a lot of these probably senior people around the tables. You think, no, I'll go and sit and I'll, I'll talk to anybody. You know, but you get in amongst them and everything. They pass the cards over. I work for so-and-so, you know. A lot of people like to wear their club coats, which you know, I, I'm not a favour of when you're scouting because I think it shows that, oh, 
they're here, they're what, you know, so you're tipping people off, really. So I always go in my own disguise, you know, and I like to sit amongst people. I love listening, you know, because a lot of people talk, which is very, very good. But that, that's where you get your information on, on, on players is when you go to live games. You don't, you don't get it anywhere else. So that, that actually follows in quite nicely to my next question, which is lovely. Uh, <laughs> so I was going to say, uh, how much kind of research and due diligence do you ideally, now obviously this can't always be the case, but ideally would you like to have kind of done on a player before uh, signings are like X amount of games or like X amount of kind of character references or something? No, the, the, the character reference now is bigger than ever. Absolutely bigger than ever. And, and I totally agree because you only need two or three bad eggs in a, in, a, in a group and it can fester, you know, then you've got to try and deal with it, you know. So I know how Stephen works and, and obviously, obviously more can themselves, you know. They don't want bad people to, to portray the club in the wrong way. Um, so, yes, characteristic is absolutely huge for me, you know. Then obviously it's who's out of contract because some players' contracts might just run up to January anyway. You know, not, it's not always to the end of the season, you know, so some players do sign short term, you know, then you look at the players and, you know, have they got the experience for the league, you know, but trust me, what comes at the end of it is what are the wages, what's the length of contract and do the agents get paid? And that usually comes to the top of every conversation, you know what I mean? So obviously agents have a big say in what goes on. I know a lot of agents work for clubs. Um, which is something I don't think I'd advise because I don't think it's the way forward because you end up taking all their players and then it goes pear shape, you know. So it's it's all that. But data does come into it. it. Obviously, it comes down when I think it comes down to once you've got a selection of say five for each position, then you start to whittle it down a little bit, you know. And I, I speak to players. You know, people think, oh, you don't. But my job, I, I can speak to players. You know, what I mean, so I want to know: do they want to come and play for Morecambe? Do they want to live in the area? You know, so, so there's a lot of inside information. You know, they might have young kids at school and I'm thinking, well, he'll be up in a hotel all week here soon. You know, it start well, but it soon fade away. So there's a lot of information that I, I like to gather myself. And uh, then I go to the manager and say, look, this, this lad wants to come. He's really, really keen. He wants to put himself in the shop window. Uh, we have the attraction of first division football. Uh, I know Stephen's got a big name, you know, in terms of coaching, or obviously alongside with the coaching staff, make players better, sell them on. So, it's, so Morecambe can be a very, very good platform for a lot of players. So that's probably where I'd start. But there's still so many unanswered questions that you probably, as you go along, you're thinking, okay, right, this, that, you know, and, and something new crops up every day. So you, you obviously kind of touched a little bit on it there, but I've more of a question which is going to be, what are the kind of biggest pull factors and maybe the biggest challenges in getting players up to Morecambe? Well, first of all, like I said, it was Division One football. Then I'd probably go, the manager's got to be the biggest pull because the, the players have got to play for the manager. You know, so if the manager, if I'm, say, I'm doing the wheeling and dealing and I bring somebody in for the manager, the manager's not going to like it, the player's not going to like it. So... I do all the talking with the player and the agent to start with. And then obviously then it's up to, to Stephen and the coaching staff to sell the club, you know, what they do, how they coach, you know. And uh, so, so that's important. But, you know, I think the area is important. You know, I think play, we want players to come into the area. You know, we don't want boys travelling two hours, you know, to come into training because it's not healthy. And we know then that injuries can happen and everything like that. But Morecambe's now got this name of, of being a family club you know, which I think is a big enticement to a lot of people. But also, I think it's a great stepping stone for younger players. You know, so uh, whether it happened this window, well, this window is a horrible window. It's a, it's a, 
it's a hard to predict window, you know what I mean? But come the summer, you know, it opens up a different array of players and a different, you know, different way of how to approach things. So, so with this window, I think I might be being a bit presumptuous here, but is this window kind of more about short term getting people in the door to fix immediate problems? And then maybe the, the, the summer window is maybe a bit more about long term planning. Yeah, yeah, no, we, it, it, like I said, I think Charlie knows, but long-term planning probably at the moment has not even been mentioned. You know, I've sat down with Harry, the, the analyst and everything, you know, to what we're doing in terms of player reports and match reports and everything. Like I said, like I said, we'll sit down at the end of January and we're planning for what we need for the next year, two years or whatever. Um, but I've got to concentrate on January. I don't want to miss anything, you know what I mean? Because we know, we know we're going to get players that we think are so close to signing. And then someone's going to jump over the top of us at the last minute, you know, and off they go down the road for an extra hundred quid, you know, so we know that's going to happen. But, you know, I've been doing this, I've, I've done recruitment really with not a lot of money. So I'm used to being sort of like getting knocked back, but you stand up again and, and you go and find the next one. We all know there's one, there's one objective <laughs> this season. And, we, 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 and, and that's where we've got Martin to come and help to help us achieve it. No, yeah, definitely, definitely, and and, and just and just finally, uh, are there any clubs uh, from from around the EFL that that stand out to you as doing partic- recruitment particularly well? And what do what do you like about what they do? Well, I think Northampton have been brilliant. Motherwell, Northampton, brilliant. So no, 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 no. Obviously, I enjoyed my time at Northampton. Good people and everything, but uh, no, they, they, they've done very well for themselves. But obviously, the coaching again goes hand in hand, and uh, like I said, they're sitting pretty in second of the league. But if I look through honestly, um, I think Cheltenham have done very, very well over the years in terms of uh, getting loans in. You know, the the right characters, younger ones as well, and they bedded them straight into the first team. Uh, obviously, they come up with us last season, but also. You know that they've actually kicked on, which which is very very good for them. You know, so that's a different thing in terms of loans. Uh, then I look at Sutton who've come into the league. Now I thought, are they going to change their profile of their player? But no, they've kept in with the non-league players. They've gone with men. You know, um, six foot plus. So I actually like that. And, and fair play to them. They've done absolutely excellent in their first season. I wouldn't be surprised if they do cement a playoff place because I think they're actually a decent side, hard working. So, again, you could hit that non-league route. Uh, I do like Forest Green. Uh, Forest Green were probably a little bit similar to myself at Northampton where they hit the Scottish market, uh, which is a little bit untapped. Um, but I have a lot of scouts and people come to me, oh, what's Scottish football like? And I keep saying, well, just go up the road and, and, and have a look. You know, they, they want to have a look at the English games, but uh, I wouldn't give them too much information on Scottish players because I, th- I think it's a market and not too far away from Morecambe as well. You know, so Forest Green have done very, very well with the boy Aitchinson from Celtic, who was at Celtic, went Barnsley, um, taking a couple of midfield players. And uh, obviously, uh, Nicky Cadden, who we had at Motherwell. Um, so you look at them and you went, well, they've done very well. And then on the other hand, you can, you can have a buy situation where you're actually buying with potential to, to sell on. Uh, and I'll probably look at Oxford. I think Oxford have done very, very well with that. You know, they bought... Uh, the boy Elliot, I think they paid about 175 grand for. They bought the bought the boy uh, McNally from Ireland, you know. So so all those things they they've all gone different areas in different ways, um, you know. But I like to have a, a little bit of everything if you want the truth. That's brilliant. Thank you very much, man. Really really insightful. No problems. You know, I thought I thoroughly enjoyed it. Actually, you don't mind me asking one more question. Uh, 
how do you kind of see the role of the of the academy at the club and kind of building that up? No, it, 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 I, th- I think it's important that uh, you know Morecambe have uh, homegrown players, and uh, obviously Tom Bryan, who, who does the academy recruitment, was in before I came. Uh, I've had some really, really good positive chats with him, and obviously Stuart and Neil. And uh, you know, it's it's important that we actually start kicking that off and getting boys through on a regular basis. Um, so I know the wheels are in, in motion in that respect. Um, but obviously Stuart's got his uh, his allocation for this season. Um, so it, it, it's exciting times, you know, because obviously we've, we've got to pick off the bigger clubs because uh, we know that that's where I, I did it when I was at Port Vale. You, you take off the Everton's, the Man United's, the Burnley's. So uh, we've just got to make sure that we're hands-on and, and uh, we, we actually see what's, what's getting released. That's very interesting, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so I mean, from our perspective, you know, Rod and I met Martin... I feel like ages ago, isn't it, Martin, now? A long, long yep. time ago. It's probably yep. not long ago, but it feels a long time ago. But uh, <laughs> you know, we were really, really impressed with the way he is, the way he carries himself, the way he's obviously, as he says, he's really into you today. And uh, you know, he's got a very special relationship with Stephen. They've gone really, really well. But like we've always said all the way along, he's it, it, the head of recruitment of Morecambe Football Club. We want to have a long-term vision to bring people through, through the academy, through player sales, through developing people. And uh, Martin is, is a perfect fit. And I mean, talking about a general manager, a head of recruitment, chips, um, and, uh, you know, all the other things we've added to the, uh, the experience. And Martin's a key, key, key appointment, probably the most key of all the appointments we've made, as well as a general manager. Um, Martin was talking about the training ground experience there. And I've been a few times this season. Whenever you go and see the training to the university, which sure Martin will back me up on this, that, uh, Dermot and John and Barry and all everyone and Stephen make it, everyone feel so welcome. Facilities are so good and people really. If I was a player going up there and met those guys for the first time, I want to play them. So play for them. So get Martin, get people up. That'd be great. You know, um, we do have long-term plans for the future. I was going to say, but um, we we have to keep them on hold for now. Martin's job at the moment is working so hard to bring this uh, successful first league one system to season to to fruition hopefully and uh, we can look at uh, future player sales and developing people and the permanency of the job in the future but uh, it's, when, when's, when's the window open Martin? 1st of January? Yeah 1st of Jan yeah. But if, yeah if they're in the offices by then in the FA <laughs> they yeah. usually have New Year's Day off <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So good luck with you my friend and we, 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 are, we are absolutely delighted to have you on board Thank you very much we're all on wind down to Christmas, but it's not going to be like that for you, Martin, is it? Because obviously January all kicks off and everybody's going to be looking at you going, go on then, what have you got? <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's never changed, you know, because when you've been brought up in football, you know, you, you always have that Christmas period, you know, and I go back to whether it's the olden days, but we, we played a lot more football over Christmas period, you know, and that's right. what it was. It, it wasn't celebrating Christmas, you'd have Christmas for the kids, but... I'll be thinking, oh, I don't want Christmas dinner because I'm playing Boxing Day. And sometimes we play two, day, uh, two games in two days over Christmas, you know. So, uh, but that, that, you've been brought up on it and it's no different, you know. So, uh, Christmas is in the background. But because I've got four grandkids and that, you know, I've got to make sure that uh, you're around at the right time. And then uh, I'll sneak off out the back door and, and off to a game. Oh, so, I, I, you've got to get a bigger presence so, or a bigger box to play with just to, uh, you know, keep them occupied. <laughs> I certainly will do. <laughs> so, Charlie, come to you now. Um, any boardroom action? I know. I know. We said um, 
in, well, last week and the week before, we keep mentioning the uh, the cover behind the gold in the Barter card. Uh, yeah, that's, the, coming, that's coming on, isn't it? I noticed some people... That's coming on, yeah. We've got um, a bit more hospitality um, uh, space for creating some more space in the hospitality to get more people through. Um, we've got the investigation about the Sunderland antics in the uh, in, in on uh, Tuesday night. Can't comment on it at the moment. There's an investigation going on with Sunderland um, we know there was uh, um, very, very various people in the uh, in the in the away end causing uh, causing trouble, frankly. And um, we're not um, if they found out to be more than fans, we're going to come down them like a ton of bricks, and they're going to be um, uh, punished accordingly. But the investigation is ongoing at the moment. But I think it's worth mentioning we are looking into that. Um, we'll be looking at. Don't say it. Away travel for the oh. uh, for the Spurs game. Uh, that's, uh, that's, on that's, at the that's a podcast so in itself. <laughs> yeah, so we don't talk about it now, but we'll, get, we'll look at that. Um, and then obviously, like I said about the Spurs um, timings, that's that's uh, that's uh, TBC. But we'll let everyone know about that. And um, obviously, try and get people. Oh, the, 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 the Portsmouth tickets. Um, this is not our doing. It's Portsmouth's uh, um, prerogative, but. Tickets stop being on sale at 12 o'clock on Friday at the right. club shop and online, and you cannot buy a ticket on the gate at Portsmouth on Saturday. So if you're planning to drive to Portsmouth without a ticket, it's a long way, um, you won't get in. So please do buy a ticket by uh, before 12.01 on Friday lunchtime. Hopefully this will be available to people Friday morning, if Joel's as prompt and as uh, organised as <laughs> always is. So fingers crossed that uh, people will be listening to this and thinking, oh God, I better switch this off and go and get one. So we'll the, final, the final thing I would say, Freeze, is that, um, you know, I know we say it a lot, but, you know, we've got lots so much to look forward to. Martin says, obviously, we've got some big games coming up. Let's get behind the lads. I know, you know, the, the MK Don's game, Joel and I were watching, speaking about it. I actually thought we played quite well. <laughs> we did. We did. That wasn't a 4-0. Yeah. Um, it could have easily been uh, two all, but that's just yeah. the way things go, isn't it? Yeah, but um, you know, so let's, let's forget about forget about Tuesday, um, move on and uh, get behind the lads on Saturday, and then there's some big, 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 big home games right. coming up, and uh, Martin's predicting some big wins there, which is good. Well, we want the, we, we want the points on the board, don't we? We, we, we know the crew fleet with Doncaster at home are huge games, uh, and it, uh, you, you turn Bolton over, and, they, and they're back in it. You know, so I think a lot of people are looking over their shoulders at the moment. And uh, like you said, it's just like you say, you make sure that the fans are behind the manager manager and the uh, the team. Come them games over the festive period, you know, and hopefully uh, we can come up with some rewards. There's a lot of points to be picked up there, isn't there? And we all know from the, the there's some strange things happen at Christmas. Uh, you play sort of four or five games over that period and you come to the first week of the new year. And uh, luckily, we're in the first third round of the FA Cup. But there's some strange things happen over Christmas, and you end up there's people who were 15th end up near the bottom, and people who were 21st end up 14th. It it's, happens every season, Joel. Yeah, like 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 we've said, you know, lots of points to be played for, and just the way the fixture list has gone, and and how the tables panned out, just so happens that a lot of those games are against teams around us. So hopefully, a lot of a lot well. First off, a lot of points to be picked up, but a lot of ground to be made in the right direction, hopefully. It's amazing. It's amazing come that Christmas period, though. How many players amazingly get suspended? 
how many players get injured and how many players get ill over the Christmas. So you'll, you'll find a lot of teams will have a lot of shuffling of their squads. You know what I mean? And that's why there's probably some shot results come Christmas time, you know. So uh, I know ours won't go missing. So we just hope that, uh, you know, some of the other teams we play that uh, they, they might have one or two out. We, uh, there was, uh, we, we noticed uh, one of our long, longest serving players, and I think Joel knows who I'm going to be talking about here, but uh, I won't mention his name. Kev Ellison. Sorry, what? Um, <laughs> Kev, Kev, Kev used to get to early December and be on four yellows. And then it, <laughs> and he'd behave himself until about the 17th of December, and then he'd get the fifth yellow. And I was like, oh, he'll be with his kids on Christmas morning and uh, suspended for Boxing Day. Damn. Sorry, sorry, David. I just saw another thing, which is very important. Rob. The COVID protocols moving forward, um, probably in place for uh, the Fleetwood game onwards. We've had a number of emails this afternoon from the EFL and the FA about COVID um, procedures. Can't, can't say what they're going to be, but there's going to be, it's obviously going to be a bit more um, tight than it was. Um, people will probably need to have, I don't, know, I don't know if this for sure, but if you want to come and watch, I would definitely make sure you, you, if you, if you, um, not being jabbed, you need to have the negative test test approved. If you have been jabbed, you need the vaccine passport. The easiest thing to do, I don't know if you didn't, if anyone's done it, if you're listening and you haven't done it, there's an app on the on your on your phone you can get which carries your passport with you that shows you've had your jabs. And uh, do make sure you've got enough tests in your house to make sure you can test yourself to get in, because I think it's going to get tighter and tighter to try and keep everything. We, you know, the last thing we want is to be behind closed doors again. So please do conform to the, uh, the protocols, no matter how much you may or may disagree with them politically or ethically. If you want to come and watch the Mighty Shrimps, we need to convey the, uh, the law and the COVID principles, so please do read them in detail, make sure you understand, and uh, if you have any con con questions, contact the uh, uh, fan liaison officer. And most importantly, don't blame the club, because the club have got to implement this. We've got no choice, have we, Charlie? Oh, no, no choice, no choice at all. Well, I, I think we've had. Uh, we, I've tried to keep that as light as possible. Thank you very much, Martin, for, for your input. That's been really, really interesting. Uh, Charlie, as usual, valuable stuff coming out of the boardroom. Joel, your uh, your intelligent questions. Where me, I'm just chat and talk rubbish. That's just one of those things. Um, join us next week when we can. And I say this every week, just because one week it will happen. Uh, next week we'll discuss our fantastic away win at Fratton Park. Uh, and uh, look forward to the Fleetwood game. And hopefully Charlie will uh, have somebody on from the boardroom and somebody on from the uh, playing or coaching staff. Martin, thank you. Charlie. No problem at all. Thank you very much. Thanks, guys. Joel, thank you. Joel, brilliant as always. Thanks for joining us. This has been ShrimpNet by the Shrimps Trust. If you're not a member, please join. Uh, have a great week. <laughs>